Ladies and gentlemen, I wanted to introduce a new sponsor to the podcast. Hillsdale College has been a longtime sponsor of the broadcast. And for the new year, they've graciously agreed to exclusively sponsor the first hour or segment of the podcast. I believe deeply in the principles and mission of Hillsdale College, which I share with you during the upcoming segment. My thanks and appreciation to Hillsdale College for their long partnership with the show. And now, the podcast. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. We're going to do something that this program's become known for. We're going to take a step back. We're not going to go into the sprint lane with all the others right now. We may get there. We may not. But we want to take a look at our history, your history, as it applies today, because it's very relevant to current events. And that is freedom of the press. Now, I'm not going to do a long dissertation on this. I will one day, but I'm not going to do it now. Freedom of the press. You know, freedom of the press is nothing more than an extension of freedom of, of, uh, of speech. There was freedom of speech before there was a press. The revolution that enabled a free press was the printing press. It was the printing press. And um, many of the great patriots, both in this country and other countries, that were responsible for advancing the case of Western Enlightenment and Reformation were the men, and may I say they were men, who ran the printing presses. And there were a relative handful of them in the early colonial period. Uh, Much of the equipment was shipped into what we now call the United States or the colonies from Britain. And these printers were often on the run because the colonial governments, basically they were British governments at the time, would suppress them if they didn't like what they were printing. And there was prior restraint, subject matter limitations, and also it was very controversial uh, from a religious perspective because some of the so-called heretics would print things that uh, traditional and fundamental church authorities would disagree with. And so we have freedom of speech And then we have a printing press, which was a very difficult process. We only had a handful of newspapers in the pre-revolutionary war period, and many of them would print also pamphlets. We had what we called pamphleteers, and they would get the word out. Now, you might say, well, there was a real concentration of power with only a handful of printers, but the truth is, There really wasn't a concentration of ideology. 
through mechanism. There was a concentration of philosophy through a belief system. But there were all kinds of people commenting on all kinds of things. And the information would be read in a newspaper or be read in a pamphlet. And keep in mind, America, not yet a united country, is a very big place. And transportation was very slow. Communication was very slow. So even though we had these relatively few printing presses and relatively few newspapers and these pamphleteers and so forth, information basically was carried by word of mouth at pubs, over dinner, one farmer to another. The American people were actually quite literate. They read philosophers that aren't even taught in our public school system because those philosophers would be cited in order to advance the cause of liberty and representative government and anti-taxation. They would be used as justification for the views of what would become the American Revolution for Independence. Now again, I said I'm not going to do a long dissertation on this, but let's jump ahead a little bit. As you know who listened to this program, the original Constitution did not have a Bill of Rights. The reason wasn't a, 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 an objection to what was in what would become the Bill of Rights. The reason was a very rational one, which was if we start listing these rights, what if we miss one? What if we misstate them? Because individual human rights are really quite infinite, whereas government's powers are quite limited. And so they felt under the construct of the Constitution that they could amend it to include these various amendments. And besides, they had promised the states of Massachusetts and Virginia and New York, which were all hedging whether or not to ratify the Constitution, believe it or not, that their concerns would be addressed in the first Congress, which they were. And in the House of Representatives, James Madison took to the floor of the House. He was elected to Congress from Virginia. He had actually defeated somebody you may have heard of, James Monroe, who had become president down the road. But they ran in the same district, lived in the same area. James Madison took to the floor of the House. He said, uh, fellows... We made a promise to these states that we would take into consideration their concerns, which they shared with us as a basis for ratifying the Constitution. We said we would, and now we must. And so Madison asked that the House of Representatives meet as a committee of whole. But they voted that down. So they had a committee that would look at these amendments chaired by Madison. They came up with 17 of them. They sent those proposals to the Senate. The Senate whittled them down to 12. And now remember, the Senate was not the Senate of today. The senators were not elected uh, by the people of the state. They were chosen by the legislatures. So they came up with 12. The House adopted the 12. And then they sent these amendments for ratification to the states which met in conventions, as they could, under Article 5. There was a convention in each state. And uh, the states adopted 
10 of the 12 amendments. The first 10 amendments, the Bill of Rights. 10 of the 12 amendments. One of them being the First Amendment. Now, when these amendments were adopted, and for some time thereafter, they applied to the federal government. They protected the individual and the states from this new centralized federal government. They did not apply to the states. Let me repeat that. These amendments did not apply to the states. That would come later in an invention by the Supreme Court called the Incorporation Doctrine in which they would decide which amendments or which part of which amendments would be applied to the states. That's not in the Constitution. It's something that the Supreme Court did. Whether you like it or not, that's what the court did. One of the amendments, much after its adoption, that was applied and incorporated into the states is the First Amendment. The First Amendment has a number of protections in it, doesn't it? Religious liberty, which is ignored by the left for the most part. The right to assembly and others. But it also has freedom of the press. Freedom of the press. The press points to the First Amendment and freedom of the press and says, that's us. And we're defending freedom of the press. Now, back to history. I told you when the First Amendment and the others were adopted, they didn't apply to the states. That includes freedom of the press. Many of the states had their own protections in their constitutions for the press and speech. But they had something else. Libel laws. Libel laws. And before the First Amendment was incorporated by the Supreme Court to apply to the states. The states had their own laws as applies to libel. Seditious libel, I guess they would call it. And so while you wouldn't have federal prosecutions against newspapers for libeling, say, public officials and politicians, you might well have state prosecutions. And you certainly would have state lawsuits, civil lawsuits, for libel in state courts. Virtually every of the fr- member of the Constitutional Convention supported that. Thomas Jefferson, who was not at the Constitutional Convention, he was in France at the time, came to support it too. And in fact, even though the Republicans came to office opposing the Alien and Sedition Acts that were imposed by James Adam and the Federalists. The Republicans came to office opposing those laws at the federal level. Nothing to do with the state level. And unlike Adams, who supported the systematic prosecution of the opposition party newspapers, Jefferson did not, even at the state level. But he would never interfere with state law and the right to bring cases against individuals and newspapers, as a matter of fact. So long as the national government abjured the power to punish abuses of the press, the actions of state governments, 
could have been limited in effect, but still they had an effect. And as Richard Buell, like Professor Richard Buell has written, the threat of local prosecution helped make the Federalist instrumental in establishing the right in several state judicial systems to plead truth as a defense. Truth would become an absolute defense to a libel suit. So it depended on the state. But in many states, in a growing number of states, truth was an absolute defense to libel. Now moving forward much faster, in 1964, the Supreme Court stepped in again when it comes to public officials and basically said, you know, you newspapers, journalists, you media types, have at it. You can say almost anything about a public official, about a politician. It doesn't matter. There has to be actual malice, and they created a test. They manufactured, fabricated a test, which is enormously difficult for any public official to win. There are rare occasions. So no longer are state libel laws supreme when it comes to public officials and the media. No longer longer are regular libel laws supreme when it comes to public officials and the media. There's an extra super-duper difficult test that was put in place 55 years ago by the Supreme Court on its own. What have been the consequences of that? I'll explain that when we return. The new congressional leadership is in town, but there's nothing new about what they're pushing. Big government, centralized government, iron-fisted government, higher taxes, more regulations, open borders. They're on a mission to obstruct our freedom and undermine our sovereignty. Yours, mine, all of ours. And too many representatives don't care. This is the nature of progressivism. It's an ideological poison. And the best way to fight it is with knowledge, information about liberty, about the Declaration, about the Constitution, and how Congress is supposed to work. It's up to we, the people, to understand what our government is and is not supposed to do. And that includes Congress. And thankfully, my good friends at Hillsdale College have brought back the powerful online course on the history and proper role of Congress, and it's absolutely free. Please take advantage of this remarkable offer to equip yourself your family, your friends, your neighbors with the knowledge that all of us should have about our Congress and our government generally. Hillsdale College is on a critical mission to restore liberty in our great country. And you can take their excellent online courses for free for a limited time. So sign up right now for this important course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Learn how Congress used to work and why it doesn't anymore so we can do something about it. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. there is effectively no way for any individual or organization in the public square to defend itself against libel from the media. 
And so you have people on CNN and MSNBC and other places who just day in and day out call the president a racist or a Nazi or a whatever it is, throw out any kind of libel they wish. Because they know effectively there's no recourse for any public official. You don't have to be elected. And you don't even have to be a public official, a public person like me. And so what the Supreme Court did in 1964 is it changed the First Amendment. It changed the history behind the First Amendment. And it's put, it put its finger on the scale of justice, and it leaned very, very heavily toward media corporations. Now, one might say, well, then people would use all these lawsuits to try and put them out of business. You know, that's the effect that every business has to deal with. CNN is a massive corporation. It's part of a massive conglomerate. MSNBC is part of a massive conglomerate. We're talking about tens of billions of dollars both. The New York Times is owned by the richest man on the face of the earth. The Washington Post is supported by one of the richest men on the face of the earth. What I'm saying to you is I don't encourage fabricated or fallacious lawsuits of any sort, whether you're suing ExxonMobil, Walmart, Microsoft, Apple, or a media conglomerate. But are we better off because of this decision in U.S. versus Nixon, you know, Our great justice, Clarence Thomas, who understands American history, one of the few who does. John Roberts doesn't. Kavanaugh doesn't. He said maybe we ought to revisit this U.S. versus uh, versus Sullivan, rather, this United States versus Sullivan decision in 1964, and immediately he's attacked as doing Donald Trump's dirty work. How's he doing Donald Trump's dirty work? Donald Trump will be out of office one term, two terms, long after this has significance. But that's what you can expect from the critics in the media. That's what they do. They attack. We don't have a free press today. We are pretenders. And you'll notice more and more talk show hosts are talking about this since I've been talking about this for years now. In great detail, going through the history, going through the specifics. More and more of them finally have the guts to speak out. It's fun to watch. Like many of our colleagues in talk radio supported comprehensive immigration reform until we took the point of the spear here and fought it like hell. Then they joined ranks. The silent coup. They were all hiding. Until I spoke out about the silent coup, took the hits, but fought back. That's free speech. That's free speech. I don't pretend to be part of the press. But the press does pretend to be part of the press. And the consequences of this, I think, have been very troubling. I don't think we're getting news. I don't think we're getting objectivity. We're getting left-wing ideology. I'll be right back. I want to thank our sponsor, Hillsdale College, for all they do to try and maintain the greatness of America. You know, most colleges have enough trouble maintaining the greatness on their own campuses, and they have declined, and they have fallen into cultural rot. Not Hillsdale College. It's a special place, and now they reach out to all citizens of the country to spread the word of liberty, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution. 
capitalism, all the great things that make America what she is today. And now that Congress is under new leadership, it already seems to be on a mission to thwart our liberty, doesn't it? Yours and mine. But too many representatives don't know how to preserve liberty, and too many of them don't care. We call them progressives. But I'm not interested in the progressives. I'm interested in you, we the people. It's up to we the people to retain what we have earned and to retain what we have received from our founding fathers. And our founding fathers counted on we the people to hold our government in check. And being able to do that means understanding the proper role of Congress. That's why for a limited time, my good friends at Hillsdale have brought their powerful online course on the history and proper role of Congress back absolutely free to equip all of us to know what we should expect of our Congress. Hillsdale is on a mission to restore liberty like the rest of us. And you can take their excellent online course for free for a limited time. Sign up today for this critical course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Learn how Congress used to work and why it doesn't anymore. Learn about liberty, the Declaration, the Constitution. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. The Mike Levin Show. This is the home of the July 4th Americans. And you can call at 877-381-3811. I don't know why I keep saying U.S. versus Sullivan. New York Times versus Sullivan, 1964. You can look it up yourself. It's not a complicated case, but they create a a complicated formula. And, uh... It celebrated the decision because it protects media corporations. What it does is it gives them a corporate monopoly. That's what it does. It means unlike any other business, they will be protected because that's freedom of the press. But again, the people who actually wrote the amendment, adopted it, and ratified had a different view the federal level, we can agree. Jefferson would agree, and his Republicans would agree. At the state level, Jefferson would say no. Jefferson was very much a libertarian slash federalist. I don't mean federalist in terms of the party. I mean believer in federalism. And it's interesting, if you ever really sit down with a leftist who will sit still long enough to have a true discussion or even debate, which they refuse to do on my programs, whether radio or TV, be very interesting to explore which part of the Constitution they oppose, which part of it they embrace, and why. What is their view of liberty? What is their definition of liberty? We've addressed this in the past, but I suspect they haven't even thought it through. If you support a central national government with the kind of power that the Democrat Party envisions down in the future, whether it's health care or education or family this or whatever, with such a massive footprint in your private life, then you can't support liberty. How can you say you support freedom of the press, but you don't support freedom of economic activity? Or freedom of religious activity, which includes refusing to bake a cake for a wedding of a same-sex couple. How can you say you support freedom of the press, 
when you don't support the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms, comma. Why is that? Or you reject the Tenth Amendment, which was supposed to defend state sovereignty. Well, mark the Civil War. Well, it's those states that adopted the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments to enshrine in our Constitution what it says in our Declaration. The states aren't all bad, you know. And the federal government isn't all good. You want mobility between and among states. You want diversity between and among states. You don't want centralization. You don't want one size fits all. When people like Bernie Sanders point to Scandinavia, the Scandinavian countries, since when does America, since when does America seek to be like a Scandinavian country or any other country for that matter? Is that what our aim is? Is that what our goal is? Why? And who cares what they do in those countries? We have states that are far more successful than other states in this country. But the reason why Bernie Sanders and his ilk want to point overseas and not here is because they are failures here. His party's a failure here. The Democratic Socialists, the Democrats, whatever you want to call them. You don't point to California as a success. You don't point to New York and Illinois as a success. You point to Florida and Texas and some of the other states. Those are successes. When Bernie Sanders talks about democratic socialism or the other idiots in that party talk about it, notice they never talk about New York or Illinois or California. They say, oh, go look over there, way over there. Why? When we have it right here. I'll tell you why. Because they lie. They create images. The vast majority of the American people have no idea what's going on in Scandinavian countries. None whatsoever. So they have to rely on the portrayal that's provided to them by the left. If you dig deeper, you'll see that they're lying about that too. But nobody digs deeper. If they can have this in Denmark, why can't we? We're the richest country on the face of the earth. California is the richest state in the country. At least it was. New York, too, right? Look what they've done to them. We're the re- most wealthy country on the face of the earth in spite of the left. In spite of the left. We can point to all their failures right here at home. We don't need to look at Scandinavian countries. We don't aspire to be a Scandinavian country. We're Americans. And the New York Times versus Sullivan decision, I think, did great harm to true freedom of the press and free speech, to honest journalism. And the reason there is to be a free press in this country is for the people. Not for Time Warner, not for Comcast, not for the New York Times Incorporated or the Washington Post Incorporated, a.k.a. Amazon. The free press is supposed to be an extension of free speech. That's what it was at our founding. 
And reporters are supposed to be held to account to a higher standard because of their very important roles. That was the idea. The federal government would have virtually no role, but the states would continue to have their roles as they wished. And the states had different rules. Some were very liberal, some were not, in the philosophical sense. And so now you have networks like CNN, networks like MSNBC, where not only the hosts say libelous things day in and day out, but their guests say libelous things day in and day out. Well, Mark, that's the nature of a free country. People can say whatever they want to say. But there are consequences in some cases. That's why this lawsuit against the Washington Post and these other entities is so important. I'm concerned what Obama judges and Clinton judges and some of the rhino judges will do with a case like this. But the young man involved in the case was not a public figure. He was not a public figure. And so you see, at least he should be able to, don't know what the courts will do, he should be able to hold the Washington Post, certain of the reporters, to account. You can publish things that are controversial and even provocative, but if you go out of your way to maliciously and intentionally character assassinate somebody if you do that in your workplace there are consequences for that if you do that on a national level as a reporter there are almost no consequences for that that's why you don't see many lawsuits in this regard and I'm trying to say that I think pre-New York Times versus Sullivan 1964 you know we had a Long history before 1964 in this country. We had many presidents, many congresses, many news outlets. Had a lot of free speech, a lot of free press. And since New York Times versus Sullivan in 1964, you can see the degradation of the, of the media in this country. You can see the lightweights. You can see the phony experts. You can see the... The tone, you know, they want to talk about the tone. You can see how vile the tone is. You listen to a guy like Don Lemon or Chris Cuomo. Listen to the fraud Jake Tapper. And all these guys now are celebrities. Jake Tapper's on these comedian night shows all the time. Many of them are. So we have a, a, a bastardization of freedom of the press. It's more like Hollywood now. Left wing ideological to a fault. And you and I, the American people, we suffer. We don't get the news. See, I don't pretend to be a news program. I never have. They do. They do. And they're always on the left trying to destroy talk radio, fairness doctrine, equal time, whatever you want to call it. Remember during the Obama administration? Some fool in the FCC put together that memo where they wanted to put government monitors and newsrooms and to monitor people like me and talk radio. Unbelievable. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. 
Now, ladies and gentlemen, it appears that the new congressional leadership is on a course to impede our liberty, your liberty and mine and the future liberty of your children and your grandchildren. Many of our representatives simply don't understand or care about the critical imperative to preserve our liberty. And it would seem that some of these so-called progressives actually seek to kill it. And these progressives are quite unlikely to understand or learn these things, which is why we have to. We need to overcome them. Our founding fathers counted on we the people to hold our government in check and be Being able to do that means understanding the proper role of Congress. Now, to help us understand this critical issue for a limited time, my friends at Hillsdale College have brought their powerful online course on the history and proper role of Congress back, absolutely free to equip all of us to know what we should expect of our Congress. I encourage you to check out this course, but not just you, your family, your friends, your co-workers, your neighbors. Spread the word of liberty like Hillsdale College is. Hillsdale is on an important mission to restore liberty in our great country. And for a limited time, you can take their excellent and enlightening online courses for free. I urge you to sign up right now for this critical course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Learn how Congress used to work and why it doesn't work anymore. Learn more about liberty. Spread the word. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. president to come full circle he tweets out earlier today this morning the new york times reporting is false this is this tuesday story i referenced to you yesterday they are true enemy of the people well of course that phrase just drives them nuts says the president has never been more dishonest than it is today. The press is, that is. Stories are written that have absolutely no basis in fact. The writers don't even call asking for verification. They're totally out of control. Sadly, I kept many of them in business in six years. They all go bust. Of course, one of the reporters came out and said, oh, we asked for verification. Yeah, I've been there before. I know what that's like. That's a joke. So the New York Times publisher, A.G. Sulzberger, an inbred, may I say with all due respect, who worked very, very hard to inherit his business, responded to President Trump's continued attacks on a free press. So he put out a statement. America's founders believed that a free press was essential to democracy because it's the foundation of an informed, engaged citizenry. Now that's true. That conviction enshrined in the First Amendment has been embraced by nearly every American president That's true. To a point. To a point. There are exceptions, you know. Thomas Jefferson declared the only security of all is in a free press. John F. Kennedy warned about the risks to a free society without a very, very active press. Ronald Reagan said there's no more essential ingredient than a free, strong, and independent press to our continued success. None of us disagree with that, do we? It is we who believe in a free press. Not the press. All these presidents had complaints about their coverage and at times took advantage of the freedom every American has to criticize journalists. Well, thank you. But in demonizing the press, the free press is the enemy, simply by performing its role of asking difficult questions and bringing uncomfortable information to light, that's not what the president's criticizing. Difficult questions and uncomfortable information. He's criticizing ideologically based propaganda. 
President Trump is retreating from a distinctly American principle. It's a principle that previous occupants of the Oval Office fiercely defended, regardless of their politics, party affiliation. Oh, you're such a damn liar, Sulzberger. Didn't you ever hear the Sedition Act? Under John Adams? Didn't you ever hear of the Sedition Act under Woodrow Wilson? Didn't you ever hear of Abraham Lincoln imprisoning journalists and shutting down newspapers? Didn't you ever hear the propaganda campaign lodged by Woodrow Wilson and another one lodged by Franklin Roosevelt? Perhaps you never heard of Barack Milhouse Benito Obama. How he sicked your beloved FBI on the media. You familiar with any of that, Salzberger? All the president is doing is talking, speaking, pointing. He's done nothing, nothing to undermine the free press. You do it every single damn day. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. See, one of my problems here is... The Republicans and conservatives, both, are left defending the status quo all the time. In the case of Congress, funding the status quo, expanding the status quo. The status quo has been created by the progressives. Big centralized government unmoored from the Constitution. And so the Republican Party is a petrified party. And I mean it in both senses. It's frightened and like a petrified piece of wood. It's ossified. It's frightened and it's ossified. It has very little to offer except we're not them. You know, we're not them. We're not them. We're kind of them, but we're not them. And they're off the rails and they're this. And so you get leaders like, quote unquote, leaders, Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy, These people have no serious principles, nothing they're prepared to fight for. These are the guys that move around the deck chairs on the Titanic. So this is very, very important to understand. We should be going on the offensive. Why shouldn't people who are libeled have some access to a courtroom? Why shouldn't people who wish to have more choices in health care and more affordable health care as a result of competition, why shouldn't they have more choices and more affordable health care? Why not? Why shouldn't people who want to go to college go to college, not through subsidies and government handouts, but by opening up this oligarchy of colleges that push a leftist agenda with these tenured Marxists and have this growing anti-Semitism building within these institutions. Why are we defending them? Why are we defending the, the status quo created by the progressive hard left? 
They don't even defend it. They are constantly looking to expand it and expand it and expand it. Medicare for all. Well, why don't we question that? I don't mean just by saying, well, that means Medicare for nobody. That means prices will go up. There'll be more and more rationing, less and less choices, fewer and fewer doctors. We have a different idea. Liberty, competition, choice, more insurance companies, more insurance programs. That's our position. These things used to work quite well, quite frankly. They never work on the left, which is why they always insist on more taxes, more regulations, more power, more government. Mitch McConnell's incapable of fighting this, let alone articulating it. Same with Kevin McCarthy. These are not high IQ people. These are not common sense people. These are not people who can communicate in plain English in a rational way. They're always positioning themselves and managing their power and, and playing the games of Washington. But the party is ossifying and it is petrified. It is horror stricken. That's why so many of you like this president. You don't agree with everything he's doing. The government's getting bigger and bigger in terms of its debt. But he doesn't write the appropriations bill. They're flapped on his desk, but he should still veto them. But he takes on the media, and the media hate being taken on. If the media, as a group largely, if as, as a group is ideological one way and not interested in producing news, qua news, then it's not a friend of the people. When the president points to the New York Times, notice he's not pointing to the First Amendment or freedom of the press. He's pointing to the New York Times, which is a corporation. And he's pointing to that corporation and saying, you know what? In terms of your business, you're liars. You're dishonest. Now, Maggie Haberman knows that she's a liar and dishonest. It doesn't mean all the time, every time, but she knows why she's working at the New York Times. The New York Times knows why they have her, and she knows what her job is, and that's what she's doing. Same with Jim Acosta at CNN. He knows he's not a journalist. He hides behind the First Amendment. He pretends he hides behind New York Times versus Sullivan because there's no check, no balance, no ability of an individual to defend themselves against libel. No real, effective ability to protect against libel. And so the Democrats are out there proposing every preposterous idea anyone can imagine and beyond. And the Republicans and conservatives are busy defending the status quo that they've already created on the left. That's why you hear Rubio saying, the National Emergencies Act, I don't like that, violates separation of power. No, it doesn't. For reasons I've explained repeatedly on this program. You want to know why it violates separation of powers, Marco? All these federal leave programs for hurricane victims. I'm telling you this, folks. I'm not saying I oppose them. I'm telling you, where does that come from in the Constitution? Where do sugar subsidies that Marco supports? Where where does that come from in the Constitution? These guys act like purists. They're not purists in the least. If they were purists, they would support a convention of states. If they were purists, 
They're proposing bill after bill after bill, knocking out one program, one office, one agency after another. Tell me who's doing that. Nobody. It'd be electoral suicide. But nobody's doing it. But we need to push back. We need to have our liberty agenda. They can have their government agenda. We need to define them. We need need to use our language to define them, take the language back, rather than have them have defining us. We don't support the poor. We support everybody. We're the ones that have an economic model that helps poor people become less poor or even rich. They don't. Their economic model doesn't. Their economic model requires more people to be poor, more people to be less successful. That's their economic model. And it's more than a model. It's a reality. You know, it's not as if the world hasn't experienced Marxism socialism. The world has experienced Marxism socialism. It's been a horrific human experiment. Human guinea pigs. Slaughtered by the millions. Impoverished by the tens of millions. All around us. This is why Bernie Sanders, again, I reiterate for the backbenchers who will repeat and then give it a new name. This is why I reiterate. Bernie Sanders does not point to failed dark blue states as an example of democratic socialism. These one-party states like California, New York, Illinois, more and more. He says, oh, look over there in Europe at Scandinavia. Look at those countries. Look over there. Like all of a sudden, all his followers are going to go. They don't even know what Scandinavia is. They think it's some kind of furniture company. I like the Scandinavian furniture. It's very, you know, good lines and so on. It's very uh, utilitarian, you know. Uh, what do you think, uh, Mildred? Uh, I, I agree with you, Sally. And if they can do it in Denmark and they can do it in, uh, you know, uh, if they can do it in the Sweden, if they can do it in these places, well, why, why can't we do it? Exactly. We're the richest country on the face there. Sure we can. Well, look what we've done to the richest state. In the United States, in California. Look what's done to California. Look what's been done to New York, our financial center, with the cameo and all the rest, the dummy, Cuomo. Look at what they've done to Illinois with their pensions there. They're through the roof. They're going broke. Blue states, through and through. There's your democratic socialism. I don't need to look at Scandinavia. We don't need to theorize. We've got 50 states. We can look what works and what doesn't. Yes, indeed. So the New York Times is upset today. Mr. Sulzberger, I have a question for you. And I will ask this to the day I die. And I will push this point all the way to the end. Until the backbenchers begin to repeat what I say. It's only a matter of time. How do you justify your Holocaust coverage, or lack thereof? I'm not talking about the failure to report on a blizzard, the failure to report on a flood, the failure to report on uh, something. No, 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 no. How do you justify the failure year after year after year after year? Your self-censorship, how do you justify it? Keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, and I'll say it. The Ox Sulzberger 
combination, that family. They're Jewish. They work to get their family members out of Europe. But they mostly covered up what was taking place there. You won't hear this on any other program. I'll say it. And then this offspring, this progeny, Sulzberger the 18th or whatever it is, as if it's uh, monarchical France here. It's Donald Trump, you see, who threatens freedom of the press. It's not the New York Times, not CNN, not MSNBC. No, it's Donald Trump because he dares to call the New York Times the enemy of the state. Because, you know, dictators use that phrase. So Donald Trump must be a dictator, you see. He's the enemy. See, in the minds of the newsroom types at the New York Times and the rest of them, Donald Trump is the enemy of the state. How dare he call them the enemy of the state? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, as I think about this, the local press in this country, while imperfect as you would expect, are the closest we have to freedom of the press. The local press, that's the closest we have to freedom of the press in this country, where they actually do news. And they don't do it 24-7, because there isn't news 24-7. There just isn't newsworthy things, aren't newsworthy things, newsworthy events that require 24-7 coverage. I'm sorry, there there just aren't. The local press, I think, does the best job of actually reporting. Not everyone, but as a whole. You want to find out the news? You turn on the local news. What's going on? And I think they try much harder than these cable stations like MSNBC and CNN or these newspapers like the New York Times and the Washington Post. These are ideological activists. The local press, not so much. Some, yes. So don't call me, hey, well, my guy, I got it. But for the most part, they're not singing off the same sheet of paper, one after the other after the other, like they are on the national level. And one of the main reasons for that is they're not in Washington, D.C. They're elsewhere. You're elsewhere. Most of you don't live in the city or the environs of Washington, D.C., other than my patriots listening on WMAL. But you understand what I mean. So you have diversity in local newsrooms. I don't mean diversity of thought. I mean diversity of surroundings, of geography, of events. It's just like government. Even though we have lousy local governments lousy state governments all over the country local is better because at least you can go into the meeting and try and fight them or at least voice your opinion you have no say in what goes on at the federal level you really have no say whatsoever none and at the national level the media are left wing 
and they want to fundamentally transform America. That, Mr. Sulzberg, is what Mr. Trump is talking about. You're the so-called paper of record, which is a joke given your history. And all you do is trash our traditions, trash our principles, trash our constitution other than your protections, trash our economic system. Then you say, hey, where's American as apple pie? No, you're not. You're just a newspaper that was founded 160, 70, 80 years ago. That's all you are is a newspaper. If you go away tomorrow, there'll still be news, there'll still be controversy, there'll still be opinion, there'll still be a free press. I don't want the government regulating the media. But the very people for whom the free press exists should have a right to defend themselves against the press, these corporations, and their employees. That's all. I think that's fair. This Jesse Smollett matter keeps popping up. I never heard of the guy. I never knew who the hell he was, other than I kept hearing he was gay and black, and therefore... uh, Uh, If he makes an allegation of the sort that he did, then he is to be believed. But he's not to be believed. He's now a suspect in a possible hate crime hoax. That makes every single individual in the media who promoted this because they hate America, because they want America to be racist, they want America to be anti-gay, and the fact is most Americans are not racist, most Americans are not anti-gay. Most Americans don't give a damn. You live your life, you don't look for trouble, and you don't want trouble. You live your life, you're a friendly person, you're an engaging person, you live your life, you go to work or you run a business. You don't really care about all these issues that Washington keeps promoting. All the balkanization and tribalization, all these phony front groups that are set up based on economic issues and ethnic issues and religious issues. Push, push, tear, tear, break, break. Yes, I have a cold. Big deal. So this Jesse Smollett is a suspect in a possible hate crime hoax. Another one. Because America is not a bad country, which is why people keep flocking here, legally and illegally. America is not a systemically racist country. That is a bald-faced lie being pushed by phony academics and a phony so-called free press. America is a good place. Americans are good people from all walks of life. The greatest diversity on the face of the earth. And we get along pretty damn well. If the politicians would leave us alone, the phony front groups would leave us alone, and the news media would leave us alone. We'd even get along better. I'll be right back. Yeah! 
If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add, but this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve, and subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. America's passionately cerebral voice. Talk with that voice now. 877-381-3811. You know, it's bad enough your IRS problems ruined 2018. Are you really going to drag that nightmare into the new year? Consider what's at stake when the IRS has you in their sights, your paycheck, your bank account, your business, even your home. Now, you're smart. You know better to deal with the IRS. You know not to deal with them alone. You need expert help, but who do you get? They're all the same, right? Well, that's not the case. Optima Tax Relief is America's number one tax resolution firm. Optima knows that behind every tax problem are honest, hardworking Americans with families, paychecks, and bank accounts to protect. So when you engage Optima to fight for you and protect what's yours, you're getting a proven award-winning team. A team who can help stop the aggressive collection actions and help you put your IRS problem behind you. That's how Optima has saved nearly a billion dollars for their clients. Call for your free consultation while you still have options. Call 800-499-6300. 800-499-6300. Optima, ladies and gentlemen, is the best. Proven the best. That's 800-499-6300. Don't let these things languish. Don't get stressed out. These people will help you. They know how the IRS works. Some of them used to work there. They're accountants. They're lawyers. They're experts. Only Optima Tax Relief, I recommend. Optima Tax Relief, 800-499-6300, 800-499-6300. Bernie Sanders, there's so much Bernie Sanders audio on the Internet, isn't there, Mr. Producer? That there is, old Bernie, an old red, an old Soviet-style hack, gets elected from Vermont and has this big following. It just shows you how brilliant the framers of our Constitution were. They didn't create a Constitution for a mob. They didn't create pure democracy. They didn't create, sorry, Tucker, national populism. They created a republic with limited authority, including Limited authority to get involved in the economy. Limited authority. Well, Bernie Sanders believes in national populism. uh, The old-fashioned way. The communist way. And I'm sick and tired of pretending that he's a democratic socialist. Let's call him the Marxist that he is. He's a Marxist. 
And the Marxists fight over who well, is he a Leninist? Is he a Trotskyite? Is he a Maoist? Uh, is, uh, what, what is he? Who cares? He's a Marxist. Here he is in 1985, in the middle of Ronald Reagan's presidency. Hat tip, a great website, Washington Free Beacon, cut one, go. You know, it's funny, sometimes American journalists talk about how bad a country is because people are lining up for food. That's a good thing. In other countries, people don't line up for food. The rich get the food and the poor starve to death. Just listen to how bizarre, stupid, maniacal this guy is. It's a good thing that the people are lining up for food. In other countries, the rich get the food and the poor starve to death. Not in America. Not in America. I'm not going to do it again. Walk into your supermarket or walk into your local grocery store. There is food in there that anybody can afford. Go to the 7-Eleven. We have fast food restaurants all over the country. They're under attack by the left, by the big cities, by the health care frauds. We have more fast food restaurants that offer more variety than most countries put together. And we mocked them. You want a salad? You can get a salad. You want uh, chicken? Whether it's fried or whether it's broiled, you can get your chicken. You want mashed potatoes? You want French fries? You want uh, green beans? You want baked beans? (coughs) Excuse me. You just drive up and get it. The world's never seen anything so magnificent. And we attacked them. Wow, $15 minimum wage, and uh, they got to point the calories, and uh, and uh, this food is bad, and we got the lawsuit. This guy dropped this on his genitals, and then we got this one, and that one, and blah, 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 blah. It's unbelievable. Everybody does it. It's not rich, get the food, and the poor starve to death. It's good that people have to line up for food. Listen to him. Listen to him. That's the real him. He's become more polished, believe it or not. He knows how to play the American media, and they love being played by him. He knows how to play your children and your grandchildren. He is a hard, red Marxist. That's what he is. And then he lies. Like he's on CBS this morning. Cut to go. But let me ask you on your Medicare for all, you uh, have talked about the fact that polls show 70 percent are in favor of Medicare for all. But that number drops to 37 if somebody hears private insurance is going to go away. Oh, well, then I'll fix it. Of course, you get to keep your doctor. Listen to this. Go ahead. What your which is what your plan offers. So I guess my question is, you're offering something that. The polling shows people can get very spooked very quickly. About no, well, but that's because we're going to be taking on the insurance companies and the drug companies. Yes, to- take on the insurance companies and the drug companies. Destroy them. Destroy them. Pervert their mission, then destroy them. Ladies and gentlemen, how the hell did we get insurance companies? There was a need and they filled it. How the hell did we get drug companies? There was a need and we filled it. Okay, I'll be the one who says it. We should thank God every day that we have these companies. Yes, I said it. Every day. Because in only the most destitute countries, they don't have these companies. Look at the insurance companies this way. They're basically controlled by the feds and the state. They're not offering you what they want to offer you. They're not pricing you what they want to price. They're not competing because they're not allowed to compete. They only can do what they're told to do, pretty much, and operate within those parameters. 
Let them free. Let them be free. Like the insurance on your automobile or the insurance on your apartment or the insurance on your truck or the insurance on your home. It might be high, but it's not unaffordable. Because the government doesn't control it. You've got all kinds of choices, all kinds of insurance, all kinds of insurance companies, all kinds of coverage. If it's good enough for an inanimate object like your car, it ought to be good enough for you and your family. Human beings. Human beings. But he has to create enemies like Saul Linsky, like Marx. These are the enemies who are ripping you off. Never the government. Government's never ripping you off. It's the private sector. Good thing these lines we have here to line up for food. It's a good thing. Go ahead. A lot of money distorting what we believe in. For example, they're going to say, people, you're going to lose your current health insurance and employment. Yeah, but you're going to have the same exact doctor. You're going to have more freedom of choice under our proposal. No, you're not. He has no way of knowing you're going to have the same exact doctor. As a matter of fact, our experience with Obamacare is you're not. Our experience with the VA is you don't get to choose. And doctors are going to be pushed out. So he's a liar. Go ahead. Under the current proposals. So there's a lot of misinformation. Not a lot of misinformation, unless it's being spewed out of your big mouth. He's been wrong his entire life about everything. Everything. And yet, look at the political children of this guy running for president. They all want to be Bernie Sanders. None of them believes in individual liberty. None of them. Go ahead. Frowned on this issue. The bottom line is the average middle class family will save money, will spend less money on health care. We'll have How many times have you heard? Didn't you hear that under Obamacare? You're going to save money and spend less money and you're going to be able to keep your doctor. And if you like your plan, you can keep that. How many times are you going to be lied to and snooker by these left wing goons? Seriously. You don't like politicians. We don't like them. And yet, look, here, run our lives. You don't want these people running your life. You run your life. Let's take some calls. Jimmy, Brooklyn, New York, the great WABC. Go. You know, it's very important the work you're doing, Mark. I really do appreciate it. I just want to remind people, most of us realize now the FBI and Justice Department at the top, including the CIA, were basically conspiring against Trump and the American people. But don't forget, before we heard about this scandal, the IRS was being used to target Tea Party people. The Bureau of Land Management, I believe it was, was being used to target ranchers and farmers out west. So throughout the American government, most of the enforcement parts have been penetrated by radical left-wing people who aren't, uh, let's say, pro-democracy. So this is a major problem, because if you have people like this at the highest levels of our government enforcement parts of the agency, and you've got mass movements of people on the bottom. And they're everywhere, Jimmy. The Education Department with their bathroom guidance, the EPA endlessly attacking farmers and ranchers and people with ponds in their backyard. 
These people are highly trained, highly organized. They're totally committed. They're basically revolutionaries, even if some of them don't know it. So they're shaping public opinion on a massive scale. What the Soviets used to call disinformation, that's now the American media. We have disinformation, diseducation, and I don't mean like this and that. I mean this meaning it's purposeful uh, wrong information. So they're changing how people think, so they're actually controlling the elections. So we don't really have free and fair elections if the media is totally on one side. It's uh, making people's opinions change. So they're voting freely according to the propaganda put in their head. You know, this happened before, Mark. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I do know history, particularly the communist history. In Czechoslovakia, 1948, the communists took over that country uh, fairly peacefully. And the communist historian wrote a book about it, how it was done. And the book is titled, And Not a Shot Was Fired, by Jan Kozak. That's a communist historian writing how they took over. It's a very famous book. Anyway, go ahead. And throughout the communist press, since then, American and Soviet communist press, they say Czechoslovakia 1948 as the model. And the guy who really put this into play was, was Barack Obama, whose mentor was a guy so dangerous, he was on a special list Frank Marshall Davis was an FBI list to be immediately arrested if we had opened uh, armed hostilities against Russia. He was considered to be a Soviet agent. So what do you think he's training Obama? And then what did Obama do? $150 billion to Iran, a terrorist state that's building nuclear weapons. He armed the drug cartels in Mexico. And he really set this nation in a really bad way with his Marxoid and Marxist uh, beliefs and his incitement of racial hatred and animosity. Hey, so Jimmy, Jimmy, these are facts. you see that uh, he's trying to build his half-billion-dollar library? I don't think they want it, though, in Chicago, it seems like. They're fighting it. Well, good for them. They have the equivalent of what you would call Central Park in Chicago, almost as old. And um, he wants to build his library there. Maybe he should build it in Moscow or Havana. <laughs> well, at least Bernie would go. All right, Jimmy. Thanks for your call, my friend. We'll be right back. Let me remind you of another New York Times special. I'm reminded by a buddy of mine. Ever hear of Walter Durante? With the New York Times. He was covering the Soviet Union for the New York Times. And he was in the he was their man in Moscow. He was in their back pocket. He won a Pulitzer Prize by covering up Stalin's mass extermination of six million Ukrainians. And the New York Times has never apologized for that either. They've never renounced his Pulitzer either. So you have that, you have the Holocaust, and then you have little Schulze now saying the president is threatening freedom of the press by calling the New York Times the enemy of the people. See, this is the problem with our schools today and our media today. If you don't know history, if you don't have a background, if there's no substance involved, then all you know is what you're told at the moment by the perpetrators of propaganda. The New York Times covers up the Holocaust, and the New York Times covers up the slaughter, the extermination of six million Ukrainians by Stalin. Their boy, Durante, gets the Pulitzer Prize. They've never apologized. They've never renounced his Pulitzer. They glorified Stalin. 
And by the way, the early progressives glorified the Russian Revolution, including John Dewey, among others. He never apologized either. And that is the, the ideological ancestry of Bernie Sanders and all the others who follow in his footsteps. Well, of course, you could. it's better to stay in line for food than, than you know, than the rich to get the food. And the, this is, you see, Bernie sitting around with the other Reds trying to figure out how to respond to the fact that his ideology has caused mass murder and deprivation. So they come up with these lines. Yeah, that's a good one. Bernie's right. You know, that's a good one, Bernie. Yes. That's a good one, Bernie. Doddering old fool. That's what he is. Ladies and gentlemen, what was your Valentine's Day gift this year? We forget. It was just last week. How about taking 10 or 15 years off your appearance with the new Genesel jawline treatment? No more turkey neck, a double chin, or sagging jawline. Works amazingly well. Just listen to Linda B. from Marina Del Rey. She wrote, I love your jawline cream. It really works. I mean, I really see a difference. And people never believe my age. It works. And you know what, guys? It works for you, too. Right now, the brand new Genesel jawline treatment is yours free. When you order Genesel for bags and puffiness under the eyes. And for 12-hour results, the Genesel immediate effects is also free. Say goodbye to that double chin. Under eye bags. And even those laugh lines and crow's feet are gone. Guaranteed. Hello. Or your money back. Guaranteed. Or your money back. So jump in. Call 800-SKIN-604. 800-SKIN-604. Or call now and get a surprise luxury gift. Also free. You can also go to Genesel.com. That's Genesel.com. But that's three free gifts, folks. Order now and express shipping is also free. 800-SKIN-604 or go to Genesel.com. 800-SKIN-604 or Genesel.com. If you've been thinking about this, may I strongly encourage you to jump in now? It's guaranteed. Or your money back. You heard them. They stand behind their products. No question. Let us go to Ann. Tucson, Arizona. The great K-N-S-T. Go. Hi. Thank you. Great one. It is a long line, long like bucket list to be able to talk to you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So appreciate that. Hey, I wanted to talk about this whole health care thing. Um, I was a formerly a nurse. I worked in for nursing for like 20 years. I worked for about eight years for the, you know, evil empire and the, uh, um, the insurance companies. And um, I can tell you that the problem that started when government took over the business of health care before then, people could afford to get health care. Maybe they couldn't afford everything, but they had their own little doctor in their own little town. He had a private shop. He was usually able to see them or she was able to can, see Can them. I just quickly reinforce your point? Because I'm thinking back when I was a kid. My parents had very modest income. Some weeks were tougher than others. And I don't remember them ever complaining about medical costs. Yeah. Because it didn't cost as much as it does now. But since Medicare got involved, since CMS got involved, they have driven the cost of things up exponentially. And so now everything that is done has to be done under this umbrella 
with the DRGs and you've got your your all your codes and everything has to be coded. So now as a private doctor, see, I went back to medical school. Now I'm going to be a doctor. I'm finishing up my residency. Wow, you got to be really smart. Well, no, I'm or foolish. Um, I got a lot of debt and stress. So, um, well, listen, know. that music means I have to go. I wish I would have gotten to you earlier, but thank you very, very much, and you're so right. I'll be right back. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Well... Now, the Mueller report. Will it be here next week? Later the next week? Should it be released in full? Just a summary? Should it be redacted? Don't release it at all? Is it going to be damning? Not so damning? Quasi-damning? This is another political and media game and hype, ladies and gentlemen. And whatever is released will be used by the Democrats and the media to trash our president. It almost doesn't matter what it says. I don't believe the hype that it'll be basically a tame or passive report. But people are positioning themselves now. The Democrats are going to plow ahead regardless of what the report says. And as I say, they will say the report is damning, even if it's nothing more than a repeat of of some report that has really very little to it. But it will have a lot to it, because that's what Mueller and Weissman do. And the Democrats are going to proceed on other fronts anyway. We already have the chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee who has said, emphatically, there was no Russian collusion. Now, folks, this government belongs to us. The FBI belongs to us. The Department of Justice belongs to us. 
Congress belongs to us, and the media are supposed to be working on our behalf. None of this seems to be the case, does it? None of it seems to be the case. They seem to be rogue operators, off on their own, all moving in the same direction. And that's against us. And that's against us. If there's no Russian collusion, just like this Jussie Smollett case, somebody should be held to account for that. That is, it was started by one or more individuals. It was perpetuated by one or more individuals. The media, as in the Jussie Smollett case, uh, aided and abetted the effort and actually did more, pushed it, led it. And the whole thing is a fraud. It's a hoax. And at the center of it is, is a coup led by a handful of FBI senior bureaucrats, Andrew McCabe among them. Now, these people like McCabe, they all wind up on the Steve Colbert show and these other shows. So you can see that there's really not <clears throat> much of a line between these lounge acts on TV at night, really subpar comics. They really are. Some of us are used to really class acts like Johnny Carson and so forth, Steve Allen. And yet the, uh, the Bush League is in. And so they, they fet these guys. They celebrate these guys like Andrew McCabe. Andrew McCabe has confessed to leading a coup against the United States government and the American people. He's confessed to trying to disenfranchise 63 million of you. And rather than walking off in handcuffs, and I talked about this at length yesterday, he's now a personality to be celebrated. He's a liar who was fired from his job at the FBI. But that, of course, was all a conspiracy against him. Man is a fool. Man is actually quite stupid. And it is scary that he was able to move up to deputy director of the FBI. The man contradicts himself every time he opens his big mouth. He denies one day what he said to the whole world the day before. He was deputy director of the FBI. These people work their way up the bureaucracy after a couple of decades. And they have control over the lives of so many Americans. And they have all this power. They were going to try and dislodge the President of the United States. Media is still working at it. Democrat Party is still working at it. Some Republicans still working at it. And then Anderson Cooper, like the other line, the conga line of miscreants and malcontents over there at the Constipated News Network, throws him a softball. No tough questions. Cut six, go. Do you still believe the President could be a Russian asset? I think it's possible. I think that's why we started our investigation. And I'm really oh, well, 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 well. This, this is amazing. I thought they, they sought a special counsel because he fired Comey. But they thought he might be a Russian asset. Now, two committees of Congress spent a lot of time looking into this. Thousands of reporters. Dozens of FBI agents and prosecutors. And he thinks he might be a Russian asset. This man is an egomaniac. He is a narcissist. And he is a pathological liar. 
And McCabe, if you want to sue me, I'm here, baby. This won't be like dealing with Anderson Cooper or the Inspector General. I'll turn your life inside out. Go ahead. Just to see where Director Mueller concludes that. So it's all up to Director Mueller, ladies and gentlemen. You see, in our system now, if your name's Donald Trump and you're Republican and you're president, it's up to Mueller to determine if you're innocent or guilty. Is that how our system works, ladies and gentlemen? And notice Anderson Cooper didn't challenge that. All the talk today about this report coming out was about timing and positioning. Will it be bad? Won't it be bad? On and on and on. No discussion about the report itself. How outrageous it is that a prosecutor is empowered to issue a report about what he's done or what he hasn't done. A prosecutor is a prosecutor, not a judge. Not a jury, not an appellate court, not the Supreme Court. He's a prosecutor. What he says is not the law. What he says is unchallenged. There's no due process. There's no presumption of innocence. There's no jury trial. There's no cross-examination. There's no challenging. There's nothing. So he's going to write a report, this all-powerful prosecutor. And will it be damning? Won't it be damning? Will he do it next week? This is not the point. The point is the President of the United States cannot defend himself legally. He cannot defend himself constitutionally. He has no due process. He has no presumption of innocence. That's why McCabe says what he says. That's why Pelosi says, let's wait for the report. That's why they're all doing this fan dance. In ways it doesn't matter what's in the report. In ways it matters a lot what's in the report. They will spin it to whatever they want. The fact, the existence of a report is the problem. There should be no report. Special counsel or no special counsel. The independent counsel statute is gone. And one of the reasons both parties agreed to let it lapse is because of these reports. So Mueller, the prosecutor, and his team of prosecutors, many of whom are Democrats, many of whom supported Hillary Clinton and Obama, many of whom donated to both, one or the other, Andrew Weissman is number two, who was at the Hillary Clinton victory party. An utterly unethical slob. They're going to write a report, and the whole world will sit and wait for the report, and that report will determine whether or not the President of the United States is this, that, or the other thing. That's what McCabe says. I'm really anxious to see where Director Mueller concludes on the issue of whether the President was a Russian asset. The president's lawyers don't even get a, a, a look at this report before it's issued. The, president law, the president's lawyers don't even get to raise objections before it's issued. We've never seen anything like this. This isn't 
the sort of thing that's done in Western civilization? Why do you think due process is right there in your Constitution? Why do you think a jury trial is right there in your Constitution? To protect you from the federal government. But the president gets less. He gets less. He can't win. He can only lose. That's why they say, I can't wait to see what's in the report. This isn't an independent Blue Ribbon Commission. This isn't an independent federal judge or court. It's the prosecutor's office. That's all it is. And they love this prosecutor. They hated Ken Starr. But they love this prosecutor. Because they know what we all know. That he's a hack and his staff is filled with hacks. And they leak. I resent the fact that this acting Attorney General Whitaker, big tough football guy, in the end turned out to be a coward. He should have conducted a leak investigation of Mueller's office, which would have exposed, once and for all, the relationship between the FBI, Justice Department, and these prosecutors, and the media. Exactly why you, the American people, are not getting news. You're not getting facts. You're getting an agenda. A one-way agenda. I'll be right back. Mark in. Then we have James Clapper. Seems to be a couple claps away from a full clapper. So CNN keeps perpetuating this. So they use the interview with McCabe, who's got a screw loose, to raise a question with Clapper, who has a screw loose, by Don Lemon, who has multiple screws loose. Cut seven, go. Do you agree with Andrew McCabe it's possible that this, the president of the United States, the president, is a Russian asset? Well, the way I completely agree with the way Andy characterized it, you know, that, that it, is a, it is a possibility. And I would add to that caveat that whether winning or unwitting. Well, there you have it, whether winning or unwitting. The president may be an unwitting agent of the Russians. So I, I, I don't necessarily disagree with Andy. Andy. That's right, Jimmy. Jimmy Clapper, uh, Andy, uh, Andy McKay. Can you see what a bunch of dummies have been working at the highest levels of these all-important agencies? I mean, this guy was the head of intelligence for the government. And the guy's dumb. He shouldn't be heading anything that's called the head of intelligence. A deputy director of the FBI, McCabe, he's a paranoid, ideological hack. So uh, the president, a Russian asset, and of course Don Lemon, being the journalist that he is, feeds this stuff, you know, like crackers to a pirate. Go ahead. And that is a really painful thing to, to, to say, but I believe the, the FBI was institutionally obligated uh, to do what it did, and that is to The FBI was institutionally obligated to overthrow the government? 
And there Lemon sits there. He loves every word that's coming out of this fool's mouth. It's like he went into a mental institution and starts going down the line and interviewing people. Oh, there's Andrew McKay. Oh, there's James Clapper. CNN is a mental institution, actually. Go ahead. To initiate an investigation. And if you go back, you know, the the long view here of, of the behavior... Uh, of uh, candidate Trump and then President Trump and his deference to the Russians. Deference to the Russians. You know, folks, I'm old enough to remember during the Reagan administration where I served that Ronald Reagan was very tough on the Soviets and he was attacked as a doddering old fool going to get us into nuclear war. He doesn't understand diplomacy and foreign policy. He's stupid. He doesn't read his briefing books. Tough on Russia, the evil empire. He wants to increase defense spending. So he, Reagan, was bad. Now we have Trump. Deferential, they say, to the Russians, maybe unwittingly so. Uh, you know, he's, uh, he personally defended Putin. Now he, we're told, is bad. Reagan bad, Trump bad. And they tried to oust both of them. The Iran-Contra quote-unquote, affair, was about trying to remove Ronald Reagan from the presidency. The Russia collusion lie is about trying to remove Donald Trump from the presidency. It's that simple. The difference here is you actually had senior individuals in the Obama administration, in federal law enforcement and federal national security, leading the way. That's different. Go ahead. And specifically, his, particularly his personal deference to Putin and his exhortation about the emails in July of 16. And then come all these developments culminating in, in the firing of uh, Director Comey, which he acknowledged. So he's a conspiracy nut, is Clapper. A conspiracy nut. As I've said over and over again, so now people are repeating it on radio, and that's a good thing. It's a good thing. It really is. I mean, that's my goal, to spread the word, right? Donald Trump was far tougher and is far tougher on Russia than Obama ever was. Obama was an appeaser. Obama allowed the Russians into Syria. Obama armed the Iranians. Obama ignored what the Chinese were doing in the South China Sea. Obama ignored the North Koreans and their their developing nukes. Obama basically had no problem or didn't do anything about uh, Putin moving into Crimea. I mean, I could go on and on. So I would have to say, Mr. Producer, Obama was an unwitting Russian asset, Chinese asset, North Korean asset, and Iranian asset. Does that make sense? Obama was an unwitting asset of the Russians, the Chinese, the Iranians, and the North Koreans. An unwitting asset. I know this because I'm following the same logic as the utterly stupid and illogical James James Clapper. He would sound stupid. This is a guy who lied to Congress, committed perjury about the NSA. Checking in on all the uh, phone numbers. Is that true, Mr. Uh, Clapper? No, I'd have to say it's not. Bald-faced lie. He didn't say, can we discuss this in close? He said no. Now, how is it that he's not charged with perjury before Congress? The reason's simple. He's part of the attack dog team against this president. He'll never be charged with anything. 
I'll be right back. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the Hill newspaper, the great journalist John Solomon, who he's the one who deserves a Pulitzer Prize. Here we go. For most of the past three years, the FBI has tried to portray its top leadership as united behind ex-director James Comey's decision not to pursue criminal charges against Hillary Clinton for transmitting classified information over her insecure private email server. Although in the end, that may have been the case. We now are learning that Comey's top lawyer, then FBI General Counsel James Baker, initially believed Clinton deserved to face criminal charges, but was talked out of it pretty late in the process. The revolution, the revelation is contained in testimony Baker gave to House investigators last year. His testimony has not been publicly released, but I was permitted to review a transcript. During questioning by Representative John Ratcliffe, Republican Texas, Baker was unequivocal about his early view that Clinton should face criminal charges. Quote, I have reason to believe that you originally believed it was appropriate to charge Hillary Clinton with regard to violations of law, various laws, with regard to mishandling of classified information. Is that accurate, Congressman Ratcliffe? A former federal prosecutor asked Baker. Baker paused to gain his lawyer's permission to respond and then answered, yes. He later explained why he came to that conclusion and how his mind was changed. Quote, so I had the belief initially after reviewing, you know, a large binder of her emails that had classified information in them, he said. And I discussed it internally with a number of different folks and eventually became persuaded that charging her was not appropriate because we could not establish beyond a reasonable doubt that we, the government, could not establish beyond a reasonable doubt that she had the intent necessary to violate the law. Asked when he was persuaded to change his mind, Baker said, pretty late in the process, because we're arguing about it, I think, up until the end. Baker made clear that he did not like the activity Clinton had engaged in. Quote, my original belief after, well, after having concluded the investigation and towards the end of it, then sitting down and reading a binder of materials, I thought that it was alarming, appalling, whatever words I said, and argued with others about why they thought she shouldn't be charged. Quote, unquote, his boss, Comey, announced on July 5, 2016, that he would not recommend criminal charges. He did so without consulting the Department of Justice, a decision the department's inspector general later concluded was misguided and likely usurped the power of the attorney general to make prosecutorial decisions. Comey has said in retrospect he accepts that finding but took the actions he did because he thought, quote, they were in the country's best interest, unquote. Do you see the level of corruption at the FBI here? Baker acknowledged that during the weeks leading up to the announcement, Comey, quote, would throw things out like that to get people to start talking and thinking about it and test his conclusions. Baker said that if he had been more convinced there was evidence that Clinton intended to violate the law, quote, I would have argued that vociferously with him, that is Comey, and maybe changed his view, unquote. Uh, Baker, uh, what are you, blind as a bat? I don't understand. Intent to violate the law? What do you think the private server was about in her house? What are you, an idiot? Yes, he is. 
He portrayed his former boss as someone who was open to changing his mind once he heard from his senior staff. Even after drafting his announcement statement, I think he would have been receptive to changing his views even after he wrote that thing, Baker said. Baker's account also shed light on revelations. Solomon first reported more than a year ago that the original draft of Comey's announcement concluded Clinton had been grossly negligent in handling her classified emails. That is the term in espionage statutes for criminality. But the language was later softened. Republicans have seized on the change as evidence that Comey and the FBI treated Clinton with favoritism. The IG, while criticizing Comey's actions, concluded, however, there was no political bias involved in that. They said, no, 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 they just did it. They just did it. What Baker's still secret testimony makes clear is that, incredibly, we still don't know the full story on how the Clinton email investigation ended. And if anyone else disagreed with the outcome, even after congressional hearings and an inspector general's review. Unbelievable. So the general counsel of the FBI, right to the end, he was ready to go, but he decided they might not be able to prove that there was intent to violate the law. This is such a phony response. If you believe she should have been charged, and you say intent to violate the law, why wouldn't that have been your view at the beginning? I'll tell you why. Because he was pressured to back off, and he can't admit it. The test under the federal espionage statute, ladies and gentlemen, which we went over at the time again and again, is grossly negligent. Not specific intent. Hello, first-year law students. Grossly negligent. Not specific intent. When the phrase grossly negligent is in a statute, it specifically excludes specific intent. That's why it's called grossly negligent. If you're in a car accident and you were grossly negligent, speeding and so forth, didn't mean you intended to hit the little old lady crossing the street. You just did. Well, we're not going to charge him because he didn't have a specific intent to hit the little old lady. But he was grossly negligent. Well, you know, probable cause. I don't know if we can prove it. So she should have been charged. You want to know why they didn't charge her, Mr. Producer? They were busy hunting Donald Trump. And if they charged her, the focus would be off hunting Donald Trump. It would be on the fact that the Democrat nominee for President of the United States was charged under the Espionage Act with multiple federal crimes. What would the Democrat Party do then? They'd have to convene a convention or something. And nominate somebody else. All this talk, all this effort to destroy Donald Trump would go down the drain. I'm telling you, reading this right now, I just figured it out. The reason they didn't charge her wasn't because they were in her back pocket. It's because they hated Trump. They had a that beat on Trump, they thought. They were going to take out Trump. And so they gave her a pass. The wrong candidate. The wrong candidate had a bullseye on his forehead. The wrong candidate is under investigation. The wrong candidate is being threatened, the now president of the United States. All along, it should have been Hillary Clinton. All along, which makes this a double disgrace. A double disgrace. 
Maybe that's why Hillary kept pushing the Russia collusion line. To cover her own big butt. Louis Farrakhan was in Chicago Sunday. And he made some pretty awful statements. Did you hear about them? Did you see them on CNN or MSNBC? The NBC Nightly News, the ABC Nightly News, the CBS Nightly News. Maybe they were there. But they weren't covered as relentlessly and repeatedly as Congressman Steve King. And part of the reason is, ladies and gentlemen, the media outlets don't want to offend a portion of the African-American community, and they don't want to offend the Congressional Black Caucus, and they don't want to offend certain fundamentalist Muslims. Let's be honest. I'm very honest here. That's why they won't do it. They see it as a no-win situation because that's part of their listening constituency group. But our friends at CNS News, they covered it. Here's Louis Farrakhan in Chicago, Sunday, Cut 12, Go. And now you're rising. The most beautiful sight that I could lay eyes on when I saw the day after Trump was elected, women from all over the world were standing in solidarity. And a black woman is the initiator of it. Your time now, black woman. You're not no little woman. You're the second self of God. Now you got to know that you are a part of God. Now the wicked Jews want to use me to break up the woman's movement. It ain't about Farrakhan. It's about women all over the world have the power to change the world. Was this covered for a full hour, the Don Lemon show? The Chris Cuomo show? The Jake Tapper show? Was it mentioned by any of the lightweight comics late at night? SNL, did they mention it? Was it on the front pages of the New York Times and the Washington Post? He wasn't done. Cut 13, go. Miss Omar from Somalia. She started talking about the Benjamins. And they trying to make her apologize. I, sweetheart, don't do that. Oh, pardon me for calling you sweetheart. But uh, you do have a sweetheart. Because you sure using it to shake the government up. But you have nothing to apologize for. Israel and APAC pays off senators and congressmen to do their bidding. So you're not lying. So if you're not lying, stop laying down. You were sent there by the people to shake up that corrupt house. Have you heard a single Democrat running for president of the United States condemn him? Bernie Sanders, have you heard him condemn him? Have you heard a single Democrat running for president of the United States condemn this? Have you heard 
from any of the hosts who lecture us day in and day out about how there's something wrong with you and me because we voted for Trump. Have you heard them spend any time or any significant time on this? Any of them? No, you haven't. Anti-Semitism is rampant in the Democrat Party. It's rampant on the left and always has been. And I'm going to tell you, it's rampant in the media. Because their silence or their omission speaks volumes. This is a growing problem on the left, in the Democrat Party, in the media, on our college campuses. And they won't confront it. So I will, every damn time I hear it, every damn time I see it. I will. I'm not even a news person. According to two professors who published a book that I'm reading now by Oxford University, I am the most incendiary voice on the right. Me. No, I'm the voice who tells the truth. I'm the first. Not because I want to be, because I have to be. If you're determined to start a business or secure your family's future in 2019... It's easy to get distracted by hurdles that pop up along the way. That's why LegalZoom is here to help. I really want you to listen to this. With their network of independent attorneys licensed in all 50 states. Did you hear that? Their network of 50, uh, 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 in 50 states of independent licensed attorneys. LegalZoom can help you navigate your legal needs. From wills and trusts to LLCs, trademarks, contract reviews, and more. LegalZoom has helped more than 4 million people like you take care of their responsibilities. And the best part is LegalZoom is not a law firm, so you won't get charged by the hour, which is annoying as hell. Make this year the year you finally do the right thing for your family. And when you contact them, you're going to see that this is very, very affordable. Or take the steps you need to take for your small business. LegalZoom is here to help you so you can focus on what you do best. Make a difference in your life this year by visiting LegalZoom.com right now. And for special savings, be sure to enter promo code LEVIN. That's very, very important in the referral box at checkout. That's LegalZoom.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N in the referral box at checkout. LegalZoom, where life meets legal. LegalZoom.com, promo code LEVIN. We'll be right back. Mark LEVIN. Well, this show went way too fast today, didn't it? Thank you for listening in all three hours, many of you, or what you can. And by the way, I want to remind you, all you Levinites out there who are listening to me now on the radio, on satellite, I want you to download the Mark Levin Show so you have it wherever you go in case you miss my live broadcast. That way you can listen to the podcast. And you can listen to my podcast on all your favorite platforms from iTunes, Google Music, or any other podcast reader. And we've made it as easy as can be. You want to do it? I want to encourage you to do it. Go to MarkLevinShow.com. 
go to the keyword space of the upper right corner and type in the word podcast. That's it. Go to marklevinshow.com. That's my main website. And type in the word podcast as the keyword in the upper right corner of the page. And then you'll download the Mark Levin app and you'll have me forever on any of your devices. So that's very, very important. If you're a loyal Levinite, I would strongly encourage you to do that. There's one thing we've seen over the past weeks. It's that we can't let the media run unchecked. There's never been a more important time for shows like Levin TV and the Blaze TV network to expose and fight back against media corruption and ideologically driven opinion. If you've been watching Levin TV for a while now, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've seen the way we're able to cover stories that the liberal left media refuse to cover. That's why you need Levin TV, and that's why you should get the network, Blaze TV, with our 30 hosts, all unique hosts, all top thinkers, substantive, entertaining, fascinating. We've got Eric Bowling, Steve Crowder, Phil Robertson, so many others. Glenn Beck, of course, and me. But we have 25 others. And they are absolutely compelling, entertaining. You really should break out of the CNN, cable, all the rest of it, and check us out. We've made this affordable, even for my listeners who are on fixed incomes. You can get an entire year of our entire network, that includes Levin TV on Blaze TV, for only $7.50 a month when you use promo code LEVIN. That's L-E-V-I-N. For a limited time, you can go to blazetv.com slash LEVIN. Simple, blazetv.com slash L-E-V-I-N. And you'll be able to start a free trial of the entire Blaze TV network, including LEVIN TV, with no commitment and no risk. You can just check us out. Again, that's blazetv.com slash Levin, or better yet, you can give us a call at 844-LEVIN-TV, 844-LEVIN-TV. You'll never miss an episode of Levin TV, and you'll never miss the stories that aren't being covered by the liberal mainstream so-called media. I really hope you'll join us and the other 30 wonderful hosts who are on our network. This is how you break through the media monopoly by joining our conservative town hall meeting. And you'll watch us whenever you want, because you're in control. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel, all of those brave men and women in federal law enforcement. And I will see you tomorrow. God bless.